Good morning and welcome to worship here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church on this cold blue sky day. We have gathered in the sanctuary, Sharon Mackin, Nancy Lennon, and myself to provide worship for the first ever podcast of worship here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church. As you join us, you may be joining us at home or you may be driving in your car, but we are glad that you've joined us for worship this morning. Just a couple of small things for worship that may help you. First of all, if you have not uh, got access to your own bulletin, uh, that was a part of the link, so you may want to press that link and pull up your bulletin because this is a regular Sunday worship. We will be asking you to stand and pray and sing, and all the words and all the songs and all the prayers are in your bulletin. Also, as a worship service, I would encourage you that if you are not quite ready to worship at this time, to hit pause on your own computer or your own phone and to try and get yourself into a mindset of worship. If it helps that you actually go and put on the same type of worship clothes that you put on on any given Sunday morning, I would encourage you to do so. Because this podcast will be available starting now all the way through this week and beyond. So you can come back at any time and listen to the whole service or part of the service for yourself. And now, as you prepare for worship, let us sing this first song. Now, as you are able, I invite you to stand in your own home. Please don't stand in your car and join us in the call to worship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and, and also, also with you. When we look to the heavens and the work of God's fingers, how can we keep from singing? When we understand Christ's humility to come to us, even though it cost him his life, how can we keep from singing to you, O Lord, our Redeemer? Let us worship. Please remain standing and join in singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
may be seated. And now, please join me in the unison morning prayer. God, our holy friend, we admit to each other and to you that we are creatures in whom goodness and evil are untidily entwined. Sometimes we set out to do what seems good, only to later discover that we have been manipulated by evil from within us. At other times, we have been afraid of our weaknesses, yet have achieved far better than we expected. Sometimes we have relied on our education and worldly wisdom, only to find out how foolish we really are. At other times, we have trembled at our own ignorance, yet have acted in far wiser ways than we thought possible. By your mercy, forgive and remove all that is sinful. Untwist all that which is tangled. Free that which is knotted. Mend that which is broken. And bring balance and harmony into our daily existence. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please take a moment of silent prayer. Friends, listen to the good news. Hear the word of our Savior. Do not be afraid. How many times has Jesus come to those whom he loved and he said very clearly, do not be afraid. After he rose from the grave on Easter Sunday, he said, do not be afraid. Friends, there is nothing to fear. For the only one to fear is Jesus Christ, and he came to love you, he came to forgive you, to show you the mercy and compassion and the very faith of God. And through his life, death, and resurrection, we have all been forgiven and freed. And so at this time, in your own homes and here, let us offer a sign of peace to one another. May the peace of Christ be with you and also with you. Please take a moment and offer that peace to each other. And if you're at home all alone, please take a moment and think about those who sit next to you on each side. Sharon, peace to you. Peace to you, Marty. Nancy, peace, peace to you. And peace to all of you out there.
Now I invite you to listen to the first reading this morning. This reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You are welcome to follow along in your bulletin. I invite you to listen for God's word to you. Jesus is teaching directly to the crowds, and he says, You, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. This is a recording of our choir singing Ubi Caritas by John Purifoy. Ubi Caritas Deus Ibi Est, where charity and love are, God is there.
and let the people say, Amen. As I mentioned at the beginning of this service, that this podcast will be available. So if you'd like to listen to that again at any time during the week, or even right now, you can pause, move it backwards, just like any recording online, and listen to it again. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music, very calming, very appropriate for this moment. Now I invite you to listen to the second reading coming from the Gospel of Mark. Listen for God's word to you. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Now when the ten other disciples heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them all together and said to them, You know, you know that among the disciples, those whom they recognize as their rulers lorded over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. It is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. This is, as far as I can see, a moment of contrast. For today, here on this island, as I look out the windows here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church, it is an incredibly gorgeous, cold, blue sky day. One of those perfect types of days for the late part of winter, almost spring, it's such a beautiful time, and the temperature is such that there are flowers blooming all over the place, and cherry blossoms are blooming, and yet, it's a day of contrast, where in this gorgeous day, we're told that to take care of ourselves, we ought to stay at home and stay distant from one another. 
So they have contracted such that just a few weeks ago, we put on our home calendar to go and visit the Cherry Blossom, you know, that donation by the Japanese government to the University of Washington on one of its quads, that beautiful quad where thousands gather each year when the cherry blossoms come out, and they are coming out now, and they are blooming beautiful, but as they bloom, the University of Washington has said publicly to all, please do not come at this time. And the contrast that we all feel, or at least I know I feel at this moment, is not just your typical everyday contrast, it's not just a contrast of place and moment, it's a contrast of tragedies and difficulties. I know many of you, like me, remember almost 20 years ago now when those towers came down in New York City and almost instantaneously thousands of people lost their lives and, and leaders came together and people came together and people gathered together and our leaders said, let us come together. And I remember in my church in Sandy, Utah, at that time, most of the churches did not get together for events, but our church was one of the largest, and so we called the Mormon bishops, we called the Catholic bishops, we called the various priests, we called all this, and within a day or so, we all got together in our sanctuary, packed in there some three to 500 people in a space that usually took about 250, standing room only, hundreds of people, and we got together as a community, we came together we took written prayers from everybody, and we had something like 250 written individual prayers as we sang songs and we inspired one another coming together, figuring out ways how we would get together and come together as a community. But today, today this sanctuary is filled with more post-it notes that if you had come here, you would have been socially distanced from everybody. And our authorities rightly have said to those, especially if you are over 60 or if you have underlying conditions like respiratory systems, and even if you're just a family, please, best to stay home. Best to stay home. Work from home if you can. Don't go out as much as usual. And so we're encouraged not necessarily to come together in large groups and find inspiration and strength from one another, but we are encouraged The gospel that I read this morning from the gospel of Mark is a time of contrast. There are different things going on there. There are some disciples seeing one thing, and then there, of course, is Jesus seeing another thing. It is a contrast in how the world is perceived and how we are encouraged to live in the world at any given moment. Two disciples come, and they come up to Jesus, and they tell Jesus, Hey, Jesus, will you give us what we want? And Jesus says, well, what is that? And Jesus then is asked, will you give us power? Will you let us, in your glory, when you come into your kingdom, can I be at your right and can I be at your left? Two disciples who are close to Jesus, who've seen him do what he does in terms of healing and miracles and love, and he see, they see his reputation growing among 
amongst the crowds and the people of his day, and they want to take advantage of that moment for themselves. They want to be in a powerful place. They see an opportunity in which they can grow their power, their fame, to the power and glory and love of Jesus. Not unlike people in this world. Here we have a moment, this moment that is challenging all of us, and there are those who look for their advantage, and so they send out their friends, and they purchase all the supplies of hand sanitizer within a 50-mile radius, and then they corner the market, and then they begin to sell it on Amazon for two, three, up to ten times as much until Amazon shuts them down. Or there are people now selling online and have already been caught, selling little vials of nothing more than water that are miracle cures for somehow this coronavirus infection. And if you send them $25, they'll send you a vial of water, taking advantage of the moment for themselves. But it's not just people in business. It's, it's preachers. It's famous preachers who are talking about this moment as a moment to give them more money, and if you send in the right amount of money, they'll send you something that will protect you and keep you from being infected or cure you, as some have claimed. It's almost as if this moment shows the real heart and soul of many people, and some just like the disciples. Some just like the disciples see Jesus and faith as a tool to increase their power and their ability to manipulate the situation for their advantage. Jesus sees the moment differently. Jesus turns to those disciples and he says very clearly, if you really want to be great, if you really want to be powerful, if you really want to be recognized by the people, by others, then figure out how to be greatest servant to your community, to your world, to your moment. Don't figure out how you can be important in the eyes of others. Figure out, at this moment, in this time, how you can be of great service to one another. It reminds me of a story I read of a guy named Ari Muller. You have probably never heard his name unless you've read a lot to do with what happened a few was it a couple years ago now in a Jewish synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? You see, Ari Mahler was on duty as a primary nurse in the emergency room of a hospital close to that synagogue. And when the shooter was shot and loaded into an ambulance, that shooter was brought to the hospital where Ari Mahler was at. And Ari Mahler had already heard what was going on. He was a practicing Jew who was a member of that particular synagogue, and he was the nurse on time, and into this hospital, into his care, came the shooter. And Ari did what he always did. He was a professional nurse. He cared for this individual patient, he did everything he could to help him and save his life and to prepare as best he could the place so that he wouldn't get infection. And he worked with his team and they did a fantastic job. And never once during those coming days did Ari Mahler ever say, hey, 
future guy, I'm not using his name on purpose because I don't want to give him any fame. But never once did Ari Mahler ever turn to that man and say, hey, by the way, you know, I'm a student. Because that would be ridiculous. Why would I turn to any patient and share with them my particular religious, especially, especially this moment? It's my job to care. It's my job to love all the patients that come into my hospital. I don't worry so much about who they are or what they've done. I'm here to do one thing, to do my job as a professional nurse and to love and care with all the skills that I possibly can muster at this moment. There, there is the servant that Jesus my wife shared with me another story this week, and I haven't seen this story or read this story, so maybe I won't get all the facts exactly correct. But this week, she was talking about a story about an elderly couple who were trying to do their best to follow the instructions of their particular healthcare authorities. And so they are very high risk if they catch this disease, and they needed to shop. They were out of groceries. They hadn't prepared a two-year supply or a two-week supply or a two-day supply. They needed to shop. But they also were afraid. It was uncertain for them. They had read things that they weren't quite certain. Should they get out of their car when they go to the grocery store? Should How close can they get? And so lots and lots of people at the grocery store walking in and out, it was kind of packed, and they didn't know what to do. So they just kind of sat in their car, trying to get people's attention. But you know, when we're all focused on getting our two-week supply of beans or rice or toilet paper, if there's anything left, or hand sanitizer, or whatever it is that we went out and bought in bulk, we don't tend to focus on other people. And when we're concerned about our own health and we've been told to stay away, we tend to kind of keep our distance and and so the elderly couple had pulled into the parking lot. They were not figuring out what to do. And so they rolled down the window and they tried to get people's attention, but people weren't paying attention until finally a young person could see and walked over and said, are you okay? And they said, no, we're not. We're afraid to go into the store. We're at high risk. We need help. Can you shop for us? And the response was perfect. Of course, I can shop for you. Give me your address. And they took the list, and they went inside, and they went around the whole place. They bought all that they needed. They even threw in a few extra things that they thought maybe they would like. They brought it back out. They put it on the side of the car, and they said, here it is. And top it off. They didn't charge them. They gave it to them as a gift. Jesus turns to his own disciples in their own moment when they're looking to take advantage of their connection to him and to ask for powerful places to increase their reputation and their power. And Jesus turns to them and says, don't worry about it. Find ways that you can be of service. Because the greatest
certainly not the greatest preacher or the greatest speaker or the greatest person with a reputation. The greatest in our community of faith is the one who finds ways to serve others in ways that are meaningful, powerful, and often go completely unseen by the rest of the world. You know, it's been fantastic this week to be a part of a community of faith. Because I've had the opportunity, one of the things I've wanted to do as a part of this week, and knowing that this is kind of a different moment in our journey together, our journey of life, our journey of Roman Bay, one of the things I've been doing, other than preparing for a podcast, and I, I hope this podcast works, it's a new one, it's a new technology for us, so hopefully it will all work well and you're listening to it right now, but it might not. But be that as it may, one of the things that I want to do is reach out to others, and so I've been calling one by one all the members or families of our church who are considered high risk in this, the people over 60. And as I've called them, I've got through, I think I've got through about 47 families, so maybe I'm about a third of the way through, but it's about 90 to 100 people. And one of the most amazing things is is that most of the members of our church that I've been called have immediately said, you know, I'm listening to the public health authorities. I'm trying not to go out any more than necessary. I walk along the beach and stay dangerous and try to keep my distance a little bit. Or, you know, just gather with family. But, but one of the things as we end these calls, and I get to move on to the next, is that people in our church have said to me over and over, if there is anyone who needs assistance in our church or even outside. If you hear of anybody, especially if someone needs groceries or whatever, you can call me, put me on the list, and then I'll call them and we'll figure out a way to do this so that somehow they can get what they need in their home. So I've been writing out, I've got lists of names of people who are doing their best to protect themselves because that's what needs to be done today. But they're also saying, can help. I can reach out. I can touch other people. I can find a way to be a servant to the greater good, even as I have to deal with the fact that I may be high risk for this infection. It's a time of contrast. A time when I'm supposed to be at home for as much as possible, but at the same time I'm saying, I have faith. God is calling me. My life is about love, and I want to help if I can. I was talking to Courtney the other day, and our youth and Courtney and leaders, we don't have an exact way, but they also are going to be trying to figure out how can we, at this moment, when we have six weeks of no school, can you imagine six weeks of no school? You know, it's funny because so often when I tell my kids there's spring break coming, they're like excited. But this particular spring break, six weeks of school, they're, they're hoping for school to start before that six weeks is up. They're not looking forward to hanging out with dad at home for six weeks or being just in their house or with a few friends for six whole weeks. Like a mini summer coming. But the youth and our children are thinking of ways, and I don't know exactly what they'll come up with. 
Maybe it'll be something that is rented. Maybe it'll just be old. Maybe they'll just call around to people and say, is there any way we can help or help you or help your family? Or maybe they'll just be a goal. But they're asking themselves, how can we help others? You know, so often in times of tragedy, people talk about it brings people together. Everybody's trying to figure out ways to help one another. And organizations come together, and churches come together, and nonprofits come together, and different groups come together, choirs come together, and they go down to places like nursing homes and assisted living centers in times of difficulty. And they come together and they sing, but now they can't come together as a choir, nor are they even allowed into a nursing home or assisted living together to bring a little bit of joy and peace into those moments. And so now is a unique challenge. How do we, as a community of faith, demonstrate our love for God and others and become servants, true servants, when so many of us are being asked to stay at home? That's a new challenge. That's a good challenge. That will help us use different spiritual muscles and develop capacities that we didn't even know we had. So I encourage you this week, as we deal with this coronavirus, as we listen to our various public health authorities like Dr. Fauci, who's just been an incredible national leader in trying to guide the nation through the news about how to respond to this. Even he has said that this will probably get a little worse before it gets better. As the various leaders in our community are trying to deal with this in terms of health care and hospitals and beds and all kinds of things, as everybody is trying to figure out how to do this, and we have been told in some ways we need to stay at home, how can we listen to the teachings of God teachings of Christ, that as we love one another, we can become servants to one another, even in our homes. As you answer that question, I pray that God's Spirit will guide you and lead you in ways that might just even surprise you. And now I invite you to stand and join in singing our hymn, Jesus Bids Us Shine.
now please be seated and let us pray. In your home, you might want to fold your hand and bow your head and let us pray. Almighty Creator, God of love, God of mercy, God, our anchor in times of storm. We come before you in shock. Shock that life can change so fast that a stock market and our retirement income can drop so fast that restaurants can lay off people so fast that people can be infected so fast around the globe that life can change so fast. We come to you in our own brokenness, our own sorrow, our own suffering. We come to you when some of our own friends are already in quarantine, like my niece in Santa Clara County, California. We come to you in the wake of this mighty global pandemic that has already devastated the lives of not only the people in Wuhan, China, but in cities of South Korea, places all around Italy, especially in northern Lombardy, Italy, in the rest of Europe, in the United States, and especially right here in Seattle, where we are at the epicenter and the beginning of this infection. Lord, we come before you and we ask for your comfort for the 6,000 people around the globe who have already passed away, for the 160,000 and more cases of people who have been infected, of the more than 3,000 cases here in the United States and at least 48 states of our union, of the 60 people who died in the United States, and we ask for your blessing on the 40 people and their families and their loved ones here, right here in this Puget Sound region. Lord, give them strength, give them peace at this time. Lord, you are our refuge in times of trouble. As the psalm says, a very present help in times of trouble. And so we ask you to give us strength, to give us resilience. We ask your spirit to work in our minds, in our hearts, through our hands, through our feet, through our intentions, to build within us the capacity to be your people in this time and in this place. For those of us who no longer go into our work but are working at home, even while our kids are at feet who are there with us, we give you, ask you to give us the patience and the ability to work at home even as we parent our children. For those of you who have changed your lives and you no longer can even go to work because you may have been working in the industry of hospitality with restaurants, we ask you to give us strength and to give us vision and to give us persistence. For those of you who are business leaders 
and have financial responsibilities and are wondering how this is going to impact you, we pray that we find the capacity to figure out ways to keep our businesses going, if at all possible. Lord, there are so many people who need our prayers at this time. We ask you to pray to give wisdom to all our leaders, to our president, to our public health leaders, to our leaders in our Senate and Congress, to our state leaders, to our school leaders, to our teachers, to all those who are on the front lines of caring for people in this moment. Lord, we pray that you will deepen our faithfulness in you, that you will carry us through this time on the wings of the Spirit. We ask you to give us the power that even in this moment that we can find joy and rejoice in your love, in your faithfulness, and in the ways that you use us as servants. We ask you to let each of us in our way, in our small corners, to light the light of faith and to keep that light burning brightly as we respond to this situation. Lord, we thank you for today, for the chance to worship, for the chance to be together through the internet and to be home safely with others. And we ask that your spirit of peace and love will pervade our lives and pervade all we do. And now together, let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now I invite you to offer your lives, your strength, your love, and all that you have to God, and to offer your resources as well. Normally at this time in our worship service, our ushers would come forward and pass out plates, and you could put your offering into those plates. I would encourage you at this time, or after this service is over, to go find an envelope, to take that envelope, and to place your offering into that envelope, and to send it to our church so that our ministries continue to be well-funded at this time. If you would rather do that more rapidly, you are welcome to go to our website and to click through and to give online. Once you click connect and the give button, it will guide you through the process. Please give generously.
Good morning and welcome to worship here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church on this cold blue sky day. We have gathered in the sanctuary, Chair Mackin, Nancy Lyons, and myself to provide worship for the first ever podcast of worship here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church. As you join us, you may be joining us at home or you may be driving in your car, but we are glad that you joined us for worship this morning. Just a couple of small things for worship that may help you. First of all, if you have not uh, got access to your own bulletin, uh, that was a part of the link, so you may want to press that link and pull up your bulletin because this is a regular Sunday worship. We will be asking you to stand and to pray and to sing, and all the words and all the songs and all the prayers are in your bulletin. Also, as a worship service, I would encourage you that if you are not quite ready to worship at this time, to hit pause on your own computer or your own phone try and get yourself into a mindset of worship, it, it helps that you actually go and put on the same type of worship clothes that you put on on any given Sunday morning, I would encourage you to do so, because this podcast will be available starting now all the way through this week and beyond, so you can come back at any time and listen to the whole service or parts of the service for yourself. And now, as you prepare for worship, let us sing this first song. now as you are able, I invite you to stand in your own home. Please don't stand in your car and join us in the call to worship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and, and also, also with you. When we look to the heavens and the work of God's fingers, how can we keep from singing? When we understand Christ's humility to come to us, even though it cost him his life. How can we keep from singing to you, O Lord, our Redeemer? Let us worship. Please remain standing and join in singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
may be seated. And now, please join me in the unison morning prayer. God, our holy friend, we admit to each other and to you that we are creatures in whom goodness and evil are untidily entwined. Sometimes we set out to do what seems good, only to later discover that we have been manipulated by evil from within us. At other times, we have been afraid of our weaknesses, yet have achieved far better than we expected. Sometimes we have relied on our education and worldly wisdom only to find out how foolish we really are. At other times we have trembled at our own ignorance, yet have acted in far wiser ways than we thought possible. By your mercy, forgive and remove all that is sinful. Untwist all that which is tangled. Free that which is knotted. Mend that which is broken, and bring balance and harmony into our daily existence. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please take a moment of silent prayer. Friends, listen to the good news. Hear the word of our Savior. Do not be afraid. How many times has Jesus come to those whom he loved and he said very clearly, do not be afraid. After he rose from the grave on Easter Sunday, he said, do not be afraid. Friends, there is nothing to fear. For the only one to fear is Jesus Christ, and he came to love you, he came to forgive you, he came to show you the mercy and compassion and the very faith of God. And through his life, death, and resurrection, we have all been forgiven and freed. And so at this time, in your own homes and here, let us offer a sign of peace to one another. May the peace of Christ be with you and also with you. Please take a moment and offer that peace to each other. And if you're at home all alone, please take a moment and think about those who sit next to you on each Sunday morning and consider yourself offering them peace as you do so in your own homes. Sharon, peace to you. Peace to you, Marty. Nancy, peace, peace to you. And peace to all of you.
And now I invite you to listen to the first reading this morning. This reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You are welcome to follow along in your bulletin. I invite you to listen for God's word to you. Jesus is teaching directly to the crowds, and he says, You, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. This is a recording of our choir singing Ubi Caritas by John Purifoy. Ubi Caritas Deus Ibi Est, where charity and love are, God is there.
And let the people say, Amen. As I mentioned at the beginning of this service, that this podcast will be available. So if you'd like to listen to that again at any time during the week, or even right now, you can pause, move it backwards, just like any recording online, 
and listen to it again. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music, very calming, very appropriate for this moment. Now I invite you to listen to the second reading coming from the Gospel of Mark. Listen for God's word to you. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Now when the ten other disciples heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them all together and said to them, You know, you know that among the disciples, those whom they recognize as their rulers lorded over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. It is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. This is, as far as I can see, a moment of contrast. For today, here on this island, as I look out the windows here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church, it is an incredibly gorgeous, cold, blue sky day. One of those perfect types of days for the late part of winter, almost spring. It's such a beautiful time, and the temperature is such that there are flowers blooming all over the place, and cherry blossoms are blooming, and yet, it's a day of contrast, where in this gorgeous day, we're told that to take care of ourselves, we ought to stay at home and stay distant from one another. It's a day of contrast in such that just a few weeks ago, we put on our to go and visit the cherry blossoms, you know, that donation by the Japanese government to the University of Washington on one of its quads, that beautiful quad where thousands gather each year when the cherry blossoms come out, and they are coming out now, and they are blooming beautiful, but as they bloom, 
the University of Washington has said publicly to all, please do not come at this time. And the contrast that we all feel, or at least I know I feel at this moment, is not just your typical everyday contrast. It's not just a contrast of place and moment. It's a contrast of tragedies and difficulties. I know many of you, like me, remember almost 20 years ago now when those towers came down in New York City and almost instantaneously thousands of people lost their lives and, and leaders came together and people came together and people gathered together and our leader said, let us come together. And I remember in my church in Sandy, Utah, at that time, most of the churches did not get together for events, but our church was one of the largest, and so we called the Mormon bishops, we called the Catholic bishops, we called the various priests, we called all the six, and within a day or so, we all got together in our sanctuary, packed in there some three to 500 people in a space that usually took about 250, standing room only, hundreds of people, and we got together as a community, we came together and we read all the prayers. We took written prayers from everybody and we had something like 250 written individual prayers as we sang songs and we inspired one another coming together, figuring out ways how we would get together and come together as a community. But today, today this sanctuary is filled with more post-it notes that if you had come here, you would have been socially distanced from everybody. And our authorities rightly have said to those, especially if you are over 60 or if you have underlying conditions like respiratory systems, and even if you're just a family, please, best to stay home. Best to stay home. Work from home if you can. Don't go out as much as usual. And so we're encouraged not necessarily to come together in large groups and find inspiration and strength from one another, but we are encouraged to stay home, to pray, to do things at home, to be with our family, to work from home and all that that means. It's a time of, of contrast. And just like this is a time of contrast, the gospel that I read this morning from the gospel of Mark it's a time of contrast. There are different things going on there. There are some disciples seeing one thing, and there, of course, is Jesus seeing another thing. It's a contrast in how the world is perceived and how we are encouraged to live in the world at any given moment. Two disciples come, and they come up to Jesus, and they tell Jesus, Hey, Jesus, will you give us what we want? And Jesus says, Well, what is that? And Jesus then is asked, will you give us power? Will you let us, in your glory, when you come into your kingdom, can I be at your right and can I be at your left? Two disciples who are close to Jesus, who've seen him do what he does in terms of healing and miracles and love, and he see, they see his reputation growing amongst the crowds and the people of his day, and they want to take advantage of that moment for themselves. They want to be in a powerful place. They see an opportunity in which they can grow their power, their fame, through the power and the glory and love of Jesus. Not unlike people in this world. Here we have a moment. 
challenging all of us, and there are those who look for their advantage, and so they send out their friends, and they purchase all the supplies of hand sanitizer within a 50-mile radius, and then they corner the market, and then they begin to sell it on Amazon for two, three, up to ten times as much until Amazon shuts them down. Or there are people now selling online and have already been caught, selling little vials of nothing more than water that are miracle cures for somehow this coronavirus infection. And if you send them $25, they'll send you a vial of water, taking advantage of the moment for themselves. And it's not just people in business. It's, it's preachers. It's famous preachers who are talking about this moment as a moment to give them more money, and if you send in the right amount of money, they'll send you something that will protect you and keep you from being infected or kill you, as some have claimed. It's almost as if this moment shows the real heart and soul of many people, and some just like the disciples. Some just like the disciples see Jesus and faith to increase their power and their ability to manipulate the situation for their advantage. Jesus sees the moment differently. Jesus turns to those disciples and he says very clearly, if you really want to be great, if you really want to be powerful, if you really want to be recognized by the people, by others, then figure out how to be the greatest servant to your community, to your world, to your moment. Don't figure out how you can be important in the eyes of others. Figure out at this moment, in this time, how you can be of great service to one another. It reminds me of a story I read of a guy named Ari Muller. You have probably never heard his name unless you've read a lot to do with what happened a few, what was it, a couple years ago now in a Jewish synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You see, Ari Mahler was on duty as a primary nurse in the emergency room of a hospital close to that synagogue. And when the shooter was shot and loaded into an ambulance, that shooter was brought to the hospital where Ari Mahler was at. And Ari Mahler had already heard what was going on. He was a practicing Jew who was a member of that particular synagogue, and he was the nurse on time, and into this hospital, into his care, came the shooter. And Ari did what he always did. He was a professional nurse. He cared for this individual patient. He did everything he could to help him and save his life and to prepare as best he could the place so that he wouldn't get infection. And he worked with his team and they did a fantastic job. And never once during those coming days did Ari Mahler ever say, hey, by the way, Mr. Shooter Guy, I, I'm not using his name on purpose because I don't want to give him anything. But never once did Ari Mahler ever turn to that man and say, hey, by the way, you know, I'm a Jew. Because that would be ridiculous. Why would I turn to any patient and share with them my particular religion, especially, especially at this moment? It's my job to care 
It's my job to love all the patients that come into my hospital. I don't worry so much about who they are or what they've done. I'm here to do one thing, to do my job as a professional nurse and to love and care with all the skills that I possibly can muster at this moment. There, there is the servant that Jesus is talking about. My wife shared with me another story this week, and I haven't seen this story or read this story, so maybe I won't get all the facts exactly correct. But this week, she was talking about a story about an elderly couple who were trying to do their best to follow the instructions of their particular healthcare authorities. And so they are in very high risk if they catch this disease. And they needed to shop. They were out of groceries. They hadn't prepared a two-year supply or a two-week supply or a two-day supply. They needed to shop. But they also were afraid. It was uncertain to them. They had read things that they weren't quite certain. Should they get out of their car when they go to the grocery store? Should, how close can they get? And so lots and lots of people at the grocery store walking in and out, it was kind of packed, and they didn't know what to do. So they just kind of sat in their cars, trying to get people's attention. But you know, when we're all focused on getting our two-week supply of beans or rice or toilet paper, if there's anything left, or hand sanitizer, or whatever it is that we went out and bought in bulk, we don't tend to focus on other people. And when we're concerned about our own health, and we've been told to stay away, we tend to kind of keep our distance. And, and so the elderly couple had pulled into the parking lot. They were not figuring out what to do. And so they rolled down the window, and they tried to get people's attention, but people weren't paying attention. Until finally, a young person could see and walked over and said, are you okay? And they said, no, we're not. We're afraid to go into the store. We're at high risk. We need help. Can you shop for us? And the response was a perfect. Of course I can shop for you. Give me your address. And they took the list, and they went inside, and they went around the whole place, they bought all that they needed. They even threw in a few extra things that they thought maybe they would like. They brought it back out. They put it on the side of the car. And they said, here it is. And to top it off, they didn't charge them. They gave it to them as a gift. Jesus turns to his own disciples in their own moment when they're looking to take advantage of their connection to him and to ask for powerful places to increase their reputation and their power. And Jesus turns to them and says, don't worry about that. Find ways that you can be a servant. Because the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is certainly not the greatest or the greatest speaker, or the greatest person with a reputation. The greatest in our community of faith is the one who finds ways to serve others in ways that are meaningful, powerful, and often go completely unseen.
You know, it's been fantastic this week to be a part of a community of faith. Because I've had the opportunity, one of the things I've wanted to do as a part of this week, and knowing that this is kind of a different moment in our journey together, our journey of life, our journey of Holy Day, one of the things I've been doing, other than preparing for a podcast, and I, I hope this podcast works, it's a new one, it's a new technology for us, so hopefully it will all work well and you're listening to it right now, but it might not. But be that as it may, one of the things that I want to do is reach out to others, and so I've been calling one by one all the members or families of our church who are considered high risk in this, the people over 60. And as I've called them, I've got through, I think I've got through about 47 families, so maybe I'm about a third of the way through, but it's about 90 to 100 people. And one of the most amazing things is, is that most of the members of our church that I've been called have immediately said, you know, I'm listening to the public health authorities. I'm trying not to go out any more than necessary. I walk along the beach and stay dangerous and try to keep my distance a little bit. Or, you know, just gather with family. But, but one of the things as we end these calls, and I get to move on to the next, is the people in our church have said to me over and over, if there is anyone who needs assistance in our church or even outside, if you hear of anybody, especially if someone needs groceries or whatever, you can call me, put me on the list, and then I'll call them and we'll figure out a way to do this so that somehow they can get what they need in their home. So I've been writing out, I've got lists of names of people who are doing their best to themselves because that's what needs to be done today. But they're also saying, I can help. I can reach out. I can touch other people. I can find a way to be a servant to the greater good, even as I have to deal with the fact that I may be high risk for this infection. It's a time of contrast. A time when I'm supposed to be at home for as much as possible same time, I'm saying, I have faith, God is calling me, my life is about love, and I want to help if I can. I was talking to Courtney the other day, and our youth and Courtney and leaders, we don't have an exact way, but they also are going to be trying to figure out how can we, at this moment, when we have six weeks of no school, can you imagine Six weeks of no school? You know, it's funny because so often when I tell my kids there's spring break coming, they're like excited. But this particular spring break, six weeks of school, they're, they're hoping for school to start before that six weeks is up. They're not looking forward to hanging out with dad at home for six weeks or being just in their house or with a few friends for six weeks whole weeks. It's like a mini-summer coming. But the youth and our children are thinking of ways, and I don't know exactly what they'll come up with. Maybe it'll be something that is rented. Maybe it'll just be old. Maybe they'll just call around to people and say, is there any way we can help or help you or help your family? Or maybe they'll just be at home. But they're asking themselves, how can we You know, so often, in times of tragedy, people talk about it brings people together. Everybody
are trying to figure out a way to help one another. And organizations come together, and churches come together, and nonprofits come together, and different groups come together, choirs come together, and they go down to places like nursing homes and assisted living centers in times of difficulty. And they come together and they sing, but now they can't come together as a choir, nor are they even allowed into a nursing home or assisted living together to bring a little bit of joy and peace into those moments. And so now it's a unique challenge. How do we, as a community of faith, demonstrate our love for God and others and become servants, true servants, when so many of us are being asked to stay at home? That's a new challenge. That's a good challenge. That will help us use different spiritual muscles and develop capacities that we didn't even know we had. So I encourage you, as we deal with this coronavirus, as we listen to our various public health authorities like Dr. Fauci, who's just been an incredible national leader in trying to guide a nation through the news about how to respond to this, even he has said that this will probably get a little worse before it gets better. As the various leaders in our community are trying to deal with this in terms of health care and hospitals and beds and all kinds of things, as everybody is trying to figure out how to do this, and we have been told in some ways we need to stay at home, how can we listen to the teachings of God and the teachings of Christ so that we love one another we can become servants to one another, even in our homes. As you answer that question, I pray that God's Spirit will guide you and lead you in ways that might just even surprise you. And now I invite you to stand and join in singing our hymn, Jesus Bids Us Shine.
And now please be seated and let us pray. In your home, you might want to fold your hand and bow your head and let us pray. Almighty Creator, God of love, God of mercy, God, our anchor in times of storm, we come before you in shock, shock that life can change so fast that a stock market and our retirement income can drop so fast, that restaurants can lay off people so fast, that people can be infected so fast around the globe, that life can change so fast. We come to you in our own brokenness, our own sorrow, our own suffering. We come to you when some of our own friends are already in quarantine, like my niece in Santa Clara County, California. We come to you in the wake of this mighty global pandemic that has already devastated the lives of not only the people in Wuhan, China, but in cities of South Korea, places all around Italy, especially in northern Lombardy, Italy, in the rest of Europe, in the United States, and especially right here in Seattle, where we are at the epicenter and the beginning of this infection. Lord, we come before you and we ask for your comfort for the 6,000 people around the globe who have already passed away, for the 160,000 and more cases of people who have been infected, of the more than 3,000 cases here in the United States and at least 48 states of our union, of the 60 people who died in the United States, and we ask for your blessing on the 40 people and their families and their loved ones here, right here in this Puget Sound region. Lord, give them strength, give them peace at this time. Lord, you are our refuge in times of trouble. As the Psalm says, a very present help in times of trouble. And so we ask you to give us strength, to give us resilience. We ask your spirit to work in our minds, in our hearts, through our hands, through our feet, through our intentions, to build within us the capacity to be your people in this time and in this place. For those of us who no longer go into our work but are working at home, even while our kids are at feet who are there with us, we give you, ask you to give us the patience and the ability to work at home even as we parent our children. For those of you who have changed your lives and you no longer can even go to work because you may have been working in the industry of hospitality with restaurants, we ask you to give us strength and to give us vision and to give us persistence. For those of you who are business leaders 
and have financial responsibilities and are wondering how this is going to impact you, we pray that we find the capacity to figure out ways to keep our businesses going, if at all possible. Lord, there are so many people who need our prayers at this time. We ask you to pray to give wisdom to all our leaders, to our president, to our public health leaders, to our leaders in our Senate and Congress, to our state leaders, to our school leaders, to our teachers, to all those who are on the front lines of caring for people in this moment. Lord, we pray that you will deepen our faithfulness in you, that you will carry us through this time on the wings of the Spirit. We ask you to give us the power that even in this moment that we can find joy and rejoice in your love, in your faithfulness, and in the ways that you use us as servants. We ask you to let each of us in our way, in our small corners, to light the light of faith and to keep that light burning brightly as we respond to this situation. Lord, we thank you for today, for the chance to worship, for the chance to be together through the internet and to be home safely with others. And we ask that your spirit of peace and love will pervade our lives and pervade all we do. And now together, let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now I invite you to offer your lives, your strength, your love, and all that you have to God, and to offer your resources as well. Normally at this time in our worship service, our ushers would come forward and pass out plates, and you could put your offering into those plates. I would encourage you at this time, or after this service is over, to go find an envelope, to take that envelope, and to place your offering into that envelope, and to send it to our church so that our ministries continue be well funded at this time. If you would rather do that more rapidly, you are welcome to go to our website and to click through and to give online. Once you click connect and the give button, it will guide you through the process. Please give generously.
Good morning and welcome to worship here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church on this cold blue sky day. We have gathered in the sanctuary, Chair Ackman, Nancy Lyons, and myself to provide worship for the first ever podcast of worship here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church. As you join us, you may be joining us at home or you may be driving in your car, but we are glad that you joined us for worship this morning. Just a couple of small things for worship that may help you. First of all, if you have not uh, got access to your own bulletin, uh, that was a part of the link, so you may want to press that link and pull up your bulletin because this is a regular Sunday worship. We will be asking you to stand and to pray and to sing, and all the words and all the songs and all the prayers are in your bulletin. Also, as a worship service, I would encourage you that if you are not quite ready to worship at this time, to hit pause on your own computer or your own phone and to try and get yourself into a mindset of worship. It, it helps that you actually go and put on the same type of worship clothes that you put on on any given Sunday morning. I would encourage you to do so because this podcast will be available starting now all the way through this week and beyond. So you can come back at any time and listen to the whole service or part of the service for yourself. And now, as you prepare for worship, let us sing this first song. Now, as you are able, I invite you to stand in your own home. Please don't stand in your car and join us in the call to worship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and, and also, also with you. When we look to the heavens and the work of God's fingers, how can we keep from singing? When we understand Christ's humility to come to us, even though it cost him his life. How can we keep from singing to you, O Lord, our Redeemer? Let us worship. Please remain standing and join in singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
may be seated. And now, please join me in the unison morning prayer. God, our holy friend, we admit to each other and to you that we are creatures in whom goodness and evil are untidily entwined. Sometimes we set out to do what seems good, only to later discover that we have been manipulated by evil from within us. At other times, we have been afraid of our weaknesses, yet have achieved far better than we expected. Sometimes we have relied on our education and worldly wisdom, only to find out how foolish we really are, at other times, we have trembled at our own ignorance, yet have acted in far wiser ways than we thought possible. By your mercy, forgive and remove all that is sinful. Untwist all that which is tangled. Free that which is knotted. Mend that which is broken. And bring balance and harmony into our daily existence. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please take a moment of silent prayer. Friends, listen to the good news. Hear the word of our Savior. Do not be afraid. How many times has Jesus come to those whom he loved and he said very clearly, do not be afraid. After he rose from the grave on Easter Sunday, he said, do not be afraid. Friends, there is nothing to fear. For the only one to fear is Jesus Christ, and he came to love you, he came to forgive you, he came to show you the mercy and compassion and the very face of God. And through his life, death, and resurrection, we have all been forgiven and free. And so at this time, in your own homes and here, let us offer a sign of peace to one another. May the peace of Christ be with you and also with you. Please take a moment and offer that peace to each other. And if you're at home all alone, please take a moment and to think about those who sit next to you on each Sunday morning and consider yourself offering them peace as you do so in your own homes. Sharon, peace to you. Peace to you, Marty. Nancy, peace, peace to you. And peace to all of you.
you know, last week, uh, last Sunday, when we did not gather for worship, we had a bingo fundraiser scheduled to help our youth mission trip for this coming summer. That has already been scheduled at the present moment, and God willing, it will happen on April 19th, and there will be that fundraising activities on that Sunday. We will gather for bingo once again, and they will also have the next few Sundays to uh, to ask you for their support on their mission trip going to Portland this year to serve those in need. So that has already been rescheduled. Another event was planned actually for today on Sunday, March 15th. This was our, our, our winter and spring uh, all-church uh, gathering at the Bainbridge Island Pool. As you know, that pool has been closed down, and so our event is not going to be there. But don't worry, we will reschedule it at the proper time. So like many of the events going on in this world right now, people are postponing them or certain things are happening, but many of the ministries continue here at Golden Bay, and those that cannot will be rescheduled. And now I invite you to listen to the first reading this morning. This reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You are welcome to follow along in your bulletin. I invite you to listen for God's word to you. Jesus is teaching directly to the crowds, and he says, You, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. This is a recording of our choir singing Ubi Caritas by John Purifoy. Ubi Caritas Deus Ibi Est, where charity and love are, God is there.
and let the people say, Amen. As I mentioned at the beginning of this service, that this podcast will be available. So if you'd like to listen to that again at any time during the week, or even right now, you can pause, move it backwards, just like any recording online, and listen to it again. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music, very calming, very appropriate for this moment. Now I invite you to listen to the second reading coming from the Gospel of Mark. Listen for God's word to you. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Now when the ten other disciples heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them all together and said to them, You know... You know that among the disciples, those whom they recognize as their rulers lorded over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. It is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. This is, as far as I can see, a moment of contrast. For today, here on this island, as I look out the windows here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church, it is an incredibly gorgeous, cold, blue sky day. One of those perfect types of days for the late part of winter, almost spring. It's such a beautiful time, and the temperature is such that there are flowers blooming all over the place, and cherry blossoms are blooming, and yet, it's a day of contrast, where in this gorgeous day, we're told that to take care of ourselves, we ought to stay at home and stay distant from one another. 
The gospel that I read this morning from the Gospel of Mark is a time of contrast. There are different things going on there. There are some disciples seeing one thing, and then there, of course, is Jesus seeing another thing. It's a contrast in how the world is perceived and how we are encouraged to live in the world at any given moment. Two disciples come, and they come up to Jesus, and they tell Jesus, Hey, Jesus, will you give us what we want? And Jesus says, well, what is that? And Jesus then is asked, will you give us power? Will you let us, in your glory, when you come into your kingdom, can I be at your right and can I be at your left? Two disciples who are close to Jesus, who've seen him do what he does in terms of healing and 
miracles and love, and he see, they see his reputation growing amongst the crowds and the people of his day, and they want to take advantage of that moment for themselves. They want to be in a powerful place. They see an opportunity in which they can grow their power, their fame, to the power and the glory and love of Jesus. Not unlike people in this world. Here we have a moment. This moment that is challenging all of us. And there are those who look for their advantage. And so they send out their friends and they purchase all the supplies of hand sanitizer within a 50 mile radius and then they corner the market and then they begin to sell it on Amazon for two, three, up to ten times as much until Amazon shuts them down. Or there are people now selling online and have already been caught, selling little vials of nothing more than water that are miracle cures for somehow this coronavirus infection. And if you send them $25, they'll send you a vial of water, taking advantage of the moment for themselves. And it's not just people in business. It's, it's preachers. It's famous preachers who are talking about this moment as a moment to give them more money, and if you send in the right amount of money, they'll send you something that will protect you and keep you from being infected or cure you, as some have claimed. It's almost as if this moment shows the real heart and soul of many people, and some just like the disciples. Some just like the disciples see Jesus and faith as a tool to increase their power and their ability to manipulate the situation for their advantage. Jesus sees the moment differently. Jesus turns to those disciples and he says very clearly, if you really want to be great, if you really want to be powerful, if you really want to be recognized by the people, by others, then figure out how to be the greatest servant to your community, to your world, to your moment. Don't figure out how you can be important in the eyes of others. Figure out, at this moment, in this time, how you can be of great service to one another. It reminds me of a story I read of a guy named Ari Muller. You have probably never heard his name unless you've read a lot to do with what happened a few, what was it, a couple years ago now in a Jewish synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You see, Ari Mahler was on duty as a primary nurse in the emergency room of a hospital close to that synagogue. And when the shooter was shot and loaded into an ambulance, that shooter was brought to the hospital where Ari Mahler was at. And Ari Mahler had already heard what was going on. He was a practicing Jew who was a member of that particular synagogue, and he was the nurse on time, and into this hospital, into his care, came the shooter. And Ari did what he always did. He was a professional nurse. He cared for this individual patient. He did everything he could to help him and save his life. 
and to prepare as best he could the place so that he wouldn't get infection. And he worked with his team, and they did a fantastic job. And never once during those coming days did Ari Mahler ever say, hey, by the way, Mr. Shooter guy, I, I'm not using his name on purpose because I don't want to give him anything. But never once did Ari Mahler ever turn to that man and say, hey, by the way, you know, I'm a student. Because that would be ridiculous. Why would I turn to any patient and share with them my particular religion, especially, especially this moment? It's my job to care. It's my job to love all the patients that come into my hospital. I don't worry so much about who they are or what they've done. I'm here to do one thing, to do my job as a professional nurse and to love and care with all the skills that I possibly can muster at this moment. There, there is the servant that Jesus is talking about. My wife shared with me another story this week, and I haven't seen this story or read this story, so maybe I won't get all the facts exactly correct. But this week, she was talking about a story about an elderly couple who were trying to do their best to follow the instructions of their particular healthcare authorities. And so they are very high risk if they catch this disease. And they needed to shop. They were out of groceries. They had to prepare a two-year supply or a two-week supply or a two-day supply. They needed to shop. But they also were afraid. It was uncertain to them. They had read things that they weren't quite certain. Should they get out of their car when they go to the grocery store? Should, how close can they get? And so lots and lots of people at the grocery store walking in and out, it was kind of packed, and they didn't know what to do. So they just kind of sat in their cars, trying to get people's attention. But you know, when we're all focused on getting our two-week supply of beans or rice or toilet paper, if there's anything left, or hand sanitizer, or whatever it is that we went out and bought in bulk, we don't tend to focus on other people. And when we're concerned about our own health, and we've been told to stay away, we tend to kind of keep our distance. And, and so the elderly couple had pulled into the parking lot. They were not figuring out what to do. And so they rolled down the window, and they tried to get people's attention, but people weren't paying attention. So finally, a young person could see and walked over and said, are you okay? And they said, no, we're not. We're afraid to go into the store. We're high risk. We need help. Can you shop for us? And the response was perfect. Of course I can shop for you. Give me your address. And they took the risk, and they went inside, and they went around the whole place, they bought all that they needed. They even threw in a few extra things that they thought maybe they would like. They brought it back out. They put it on the side of the car, and they said, here it is. And to top it off, they didn't charge them. They gave it to them as a gift. Jesus turns to his own disciples in their own moment when they're looking to take advantage of their connection to him and to ask for powerful places to increase their reputation and their power, 
Jesus turned to them and says, don't worry about it. Find ways that you can be a servant. Because the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is certainly not the greatest preacher or the greatest speaker or the greatest person with a reputation. The greatest in our community of faith is the one who finds ways to serve others in ways that are meaningful, powerful, and often go completely unseen by the rest of the world. You know, it's been fantastic this week to be a part of a community of faith. Because I've had the opportunity, one of the things I've wanted to do as a part of this week, and knowing that this is kind of a different moment in our journey together, our journey in life, our journey in Holy Day, one of the things I've been doing, other than preparing for a podcast, and I, I hope this podcast works, it's a new one, it's a new technology for us, so hopefully it will all work well and you're listening to it right now, but it might not. But be that as it may, one of the things that I want to do is reach out to others, and so I've been calling one by one all the members or families of our church who are considered high risk in this, the people over 60. And as I've called them, I've got through, I think I've got through about 47 families, so maybe I'm about a third of the way through, but it's about 90 to 100 people. And one of the most amazing things is is that most of the members of our church that I've been called have immediately said, you know, I'm listening to the public health authorities. I'm trying not to go out any more than necessary. I walk along the beach at, say, Bay Bridge and try to keep my distance a little bit. Or, you know, just gather with family. But, but one of the things as we end these calls, and I get to move on to the next, is that people in our church have said to me over and over, if there is anyone who needs assistance in our church or even outside, if you hear of anybody, especially if someone needs groceries or whatever, you can call me, put me on the list, and then I'll call them and we'll figure out a way to do this so that somehow they can get what they need in their home. So I've been writing out, I've got lists of names of people who are doing their best to protect themselves because that's what needs to be done today. But they're also saying, I can help. I can reach out. I can touch other people. I can find a way to be a servant for the greater good, even as I have to deal with the fact that I may be high risk for this infection. It's a time of contrast. A time when I'm supposed to be at home for as much as possible, but at the same time, I'm saying, I have faith. God is calling me. My life is about love, and I want to help if I can. I was talking to Courtney the other day, and our youth and Courtney and leaders, we don't have an exact way, but they also are going to be trying to figure out how can we, at this moment, when we have six weeks of no school, can you imagine six weeks of no school? You know, it's funny because so often when I tell my kids there's spring break coming, they're like excited. But this particular spring break, six weeks of school, they're, they're hoping for school to start before that six weeks is up. 
They're not looking forward to hanging out with dad at home for six weeks or being just in their house or with a few friends for six whole weeks. It's like a mini summer for them. But the youth and our children are thinking of ways that I don't know exactly what they'll come up with. Maybe it'll be something that is rented. Maybe it'll just be old. Maybe they'll just call around to people and say, is there any way we can help or help you or help your family? Or maybe they'll just be adults. But they're asking themselves, how can we help others? You know, so often in times of tragedy, people talk about it brings people together. Everybody's trying to figure out ways to help one another. And organizations come together, and churches come together, and nonprofits come together, and different groups come together, choirs come together, and they go down to places like nursing homes and assisted living centers in times of difficulty, and they come together and they sing, but now they can't come together as a choir, nor are they even allowed into a nursing home or assisted living together to bring a little bit of joy and peace into those moments. And so now it's a unique challenge. How do we, as a community of faith, demonstrate our love for God and others and become servants, true servants, when so many of us are being asked to stay at home? That's a new challenge. That's a good challenge. That will help us use different spiritual muscles and develop capacities that we didn't even know we had. So I encourage you, as we deal with this coronavirus, as we listen to our various public health authorities like Dr. Fauci, who's just been an incredible national leader in trying to guide a nation through the news about how to respond to this, even he has said that this will probably get a little worse before it gets better. As the various leaders in our community are trying to deal with this in terms of health care and hospitals and beds and all kinds of things, as everybody is trying to figure out how to do this, and we have been told in some ways we need to stay at home, how can we listen to the teachings of God and the teachings of Christ so that we love one another we can become servants to one another, even in our homes. As you answer that question, I pray that God's Spirit will guide you and lead you in ways that might just even surprise you. now I invite you to stand and join in singing our hymn, Jesus Bids Us Shine.
And now please be seated and let us pray. In your home, you might want to fold your hand and bow your head and let us pray. Almighty Creator, God of love, God of mercy, God our anchor in times of storm, we come before you in shock, shock that life can change so fast that a stock market and our retirement income can drop so fast that restaurants can lay off people so fast, that people can be infected so fast around the globe, that life can change so fast. We come to you in our own brokenness, our own sorrow, our own suffering. We come to you when some of our own friends are already in quarantine, like my niece, in Santa Clara County, California. We come to you in the wake of this mighty global pandemic that has already devastated the lives of not only the people in Wuhan, China, but in cities of South Korea, places all around Italy, especially in northern Lombardy, Italy, in the rest of Europe, in the United States, and especially right here in Seattle, where we are at the epicenter and the beginning of this infection. Lord, we come before you and we ask for your comfort for the 6,000 people around the globe who have already passed away, for the 160,000 and more cases of people who have been infected, of the more than 3,000 cases here in the United States and in at least 48 states of our union, of the 60 people who died in the United States, and we ask for your blessing on the 40 people and their families and their loved ones here, right here in this Puget Sound region. Lord, give them strength, give them peace at this time. Lord, you are our refuge in times of trouble. As the psalm says, a very present help in times of trouble. And so we ask you to give us strength, to give us resilience. We ask your spirit to work in our minds, in our hearts, through our hands, through our feet, through our intentions, to build within us the capacity to be your people in this time and in this place. For those of us who no longer go into our work but are working at home, even while our kids are at feet who are there with us, we give you, ask you to give us the patience and the ability to work at home even as we parent our children. For those of you who have changed your lives and you no longer can even go to work because you may have been working in the industry of hospitality with restaurants. We ask you to give us strength and to give us vision and to give us persistence. For those of you who are business leaders 
and have financial responsibilities and are wondering how this is going to impact you, we pray that we find the capacity to figure out ways to keep our businesses going, if at all possible. Lord, there are so many people who need our prayers at this time. We ask you to pray to give wisdom to all our leaders, to our president, to our public health leaders, to our leaders in our Senate and Congress, to our state leaders, to our school leaders, to our teachers, to all those who are on the front lines of caring for people in this moment. Lord, we pray that you will deepen our faithfulness in you, that you will carry us through this time on the wings of the Spirit. We ask you to give us the power that even in this moment that we can find joy and rejoice in your love, in your faithfulness, and in the ways that you use us as servants. We ask you to let each of us in our way, in our small corners, to light the light of faith and to keep that light burning brightly as we respond to this situation. Lord, we thank you for today, for the chance to worship, for the chance to be together through the internet and to be home safely with others. And we ask that your spirit of peace and love will pervade our lives and pervade all we do. And now together, let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now I invite you to offer your lives, your strength, your love, and all that you have to God, and to offer your resources as well. Normally at this time in our worship service, our ushers would come forward and pass out plates, and you could put your offering into those plates. I would encourage you at this time, or after this service is over, to go find an envelope, to take that envelope, and to place your offering into that envelope, and to send it to our church so that our ministries continue to be well-funded at this time. If you would rather do that more rapidly, you are welcome to go to our website and to click through and to give online. Once you click Connect and the Give button, it will guide you through the process. Please give generously.
Good morning and welcome to worship here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church on this cold blue sky day. We have gathered in the sanctuary, Chair Mackin, Nancy Lyons, and myself to provide worship for the first ever podcast of worship here at Rolling Bay Presbyterian Church. As you join us, you may be joining us at home or you may be driving in your car, but we are glad that you joined us for worship this morning. Just a couple of small things for worship that may help you. First of all, if you have not uh, got access to your own bulletin, uh, that was a part of the link, so you may want to press that link and pull up your bulletin because this is a regular Sunday worship. We will be asking you to stand and pray and sing, and all the words and all the songs and all the prayers are in your bulletin. Also, as a worship service, I would encourage you that if you are not quite ready to worship at this time, to hit pause on your own computer or your own phone and to try and get yourself into a mindset of worship. If it helps that you actually go and put on the same type of worship clothes that you put on on any given Sunday morning, I would encourage you to do so. Because this podcast will be available starting now all the way through this week and beyond. So you can come back at any time and listen to the whole service or parts of the service for yourself. And now, as we prepare for worship, let us sing this first song. Now, as you are able, I invite you to stand in your own home. Please don't stand in your car and join us in the call to worship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and also with you. When we look to the heavens and the work of God's fingers, how can we keep from singing? When we understand Christ's humility to come to us, even though it cost him his life. How can we keep from singing to you, O Lord, our Redeemer? Let us worship. Please remain standing and join in singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
may be seated. And now, please join me in the unison morning prayer. God, our holy friend, we admit to each other and to you that we are creatures in whom goodness and evil are untidily entwined. Sometimes we set out to do what seems good, only to later discover that we have been manipulated by evil from within us. At other times, we have been afraid of our weaknesses, yet have achieved far better than we expected. Sometimes we have relied on our education and worldly wisdom, only to find out how foolish we really are. At other times, we have trembled at our own ignorance, yet have acted in far wiser ways than we thought possible. By your mercy, forgive and remove all that is sinful. Untwist all that which is tangled. Free that which is knotted. Mend that which is broken. And bring balance and harmony into our daily existence. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Please take a moment of silent prayer. Friends, listen to the good news. Hear the word of our Savior. Do not be afraid. How many times has Jesus come to those whom he loved and he said very clearly, do not be afraid. After he rose from the grave on Easter Sunday, he said, do not be afraid. Friends, there is nothing to fear. For the only one to fear is Jesus Christ, and he came to love you, he came to forgive you, he came to show you the mercy and compassion and the very faith of God. And through his life, death, and resurrection, we have all been forgiven and free. And so at this time, in your own homes and here, let us offer a sign of peace to one another. May the peace of Christ be with you and also with you. Please take a moment and offer that peace to each other. And if you're at home all alone, please take a moment and to think about those who sit next to you on each Sunday morning and consider yourself offering them peace as you do so in your own way. Sharon, peace to you. Peace to you, Marty. Nancy, peace, peace to you. And peace to all of you.
you know, last week, uh, last Sunday, when we did not gather for worship, we had a bingo fundraiser scheduled to help our youth mission trip for this coming summer. That has already been scheduled at the present moment, and God willing, it will happen on April 19th, and there will be that fundraising activities on that Sunday. We will gather for bingo once again, and they will also have the next few Sundays to uh, to ask you for their support on their mission trip going to Portland this year to serve those in need. So that has already been rescheduled. Another event was planned actually for today on Sunday, March 15th. This was our, our, our winter and spring uh, all church uh, gathering at the Bainbridge Island Pool. As you know, that pool has been closed down, and so our event is not going to be there. But don't worry, we will reschedule it at the proper time. So like many events going on in the world right now, people are postponing them or certain things are happening, but many of the ministries continue here at Rolling Bay, and those that cannot will be rescheduled. And now I invite you to listen to the first reading this morning. This reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. You are welcome to follow along in your bulletin. I invite you to listen for God's word to you. Jesus is teaching directly to the crowds, and he says, You, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. This is a recording of our choir singing Ubi Caritas by John Purifoy. Ubi Caritas Deus Ibi Est, where charity and love are, God is there.
and let the people say, Amen. As I mentioned at the beginning of this service, that this podcast will be available. So if you'd like to listen to that again at any time during the week or even right now, you can pause, move it backwards, just like any recording online, and listen to it again. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music, very calming, very appropriate for this moment. Now I invite you to listen to the second reading coming from the Gospel of Mark. Listen for God's word to you. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Now when the ten other disciples heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them all together and said to them, You know, you know that among the disciples, those whom they recognize as their rulers lorded over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. It is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. It's a day of contrast in such 
that just a few weeks ago we put on our home calendar to go and visit the cherry blossom, you know, that donation by the Japanese government to the University of Washington on one of its quads, that beautiful quad where thousands gather each year when the cherry blossoms come out and they are coming out now and they are blooming beautiful, but as they bloom, the University of Washington has said publicly to all, please do not come at this time. And the contrast that we all feel, or at least I know I feel at this moment, is not just your typical everyday contrast, it's not just a contrast of place and moment, it's a contrast of tragedies and difficulties. I know many of you, like me, remember almost 20 years ago now when those towers came down in New York City and almost instantaneously thousands of people lost their lives and, and leaders came together and people came together and people gathered together and our leaders said, let us come together. And I remember in my church in Sandy, Utah, at that time, most of the churches did not get together for events, but our church was one of the largest, and so we called the Mormon bishop, we called the Catholic bishops, we called the various priests, we called all the six, and within a day or so, we all got together in our sanctuary, packed in there some three to 500 people in a space that usually took about 250, standing room only, hundreds of people, and we got together as a community, we came together, all the prayers. We took written prayers from everybody and we had something like 250 written individual prayers as we sang songs and we inspired one another coming together, figuring out ways how we would get together and come together as a community. But today, today this sanctuary is filled with more post-it notes that if you had come here, you would have been socially distanced from everybody. And our authorities rightly have said to those, especially if you are over 60 or if you have underlying conditions like respiratory systems, and even if you're just a family, please, best to stay home. Best to stay home. Work from home if you can. Don't go out as much as usual. And so we're encouraged not necessarily to come together in large groups and find inspiration and strength from one another, we are encouraged to stay home, to pray, to do things at home, to be with our family, to work from home and all that means. It's a time of, of contrast. And just like this is a time of contrast, the gospel that I read this morning from the gospel of Mark is a time of contrast. There are different things going on there. There are some disciples seeing one thing, and then there, of course, is Jesus seeing another thing. It's a contrast in how the world is perceived and how we are encouraged to live in the world at any given moment. Two disciples come, and they come up to Jesus, and they tell Jesus, Hey, Jesus, will you give us what we want? And Jesus says, Well, what is that? And Jesus then is asked, Will you give us power? Will you let us, in your glory, when you come into your kingdom, can I be at your right and can I be at your left? Two disciples who are close to Jesus, who've seen him do what he does in terms of healing and miracles and love, and he see, they see his 
reputation growing amongst the crowds and the people of his day, and they want to take advantage of that moment for themselves. They want to be in a powerful place. They see an opportunity in which they can grow their power, their fame, through the power and the glory and love of Jesus. Not unlike people in this world. Here we have a moment, this moment that is challenging all of us, and there are those who look for their advantage, and so they send out their friends, and they purchase all the supplies of hand sanitizer within a 50-mile radius, and then they corner the market, and then they begin to sell it on Amazon for two, three, up to ten times as much until Amazon shuts them down. Or there are people now selling online and have already been caught, selling little vials of nothing more than water that are miracle cures for somehow this coronavirus infection. And if you send them $25, they'll send you a vial of water, taking advantage of the moment for themselves. And it's not just people in business. It's, it's preachers. It's famous preachers who are talking about this moment as a moment to give them more money, and if you send in the right amount of money, they'll send you something that will protect you and keep you from being infected or cure you, as some have claimed. It's almost as if this moment shows the real heart and soul of many people, and some just like the disciples. Some just like the disciples see Jesus and faith as a tool to increase their power and their ability to manipulate the situation for their advantage. Jesus sees the moment differently. Jesus turns to those disciples and he says, very truly, if you really want to be great, if you really want to be powerful, if you really want to be recognized by the people, by others, then figure out how to be greatest servant to your community, to your world, to your moment. Don't figure out how you can be important in the eyes of others. Figure out, at this moment, in this time, how you can be of great service to one another. It reminds me of a story I read of a guy named Ari Muller. You have probably never heard his name unless you've read a lot to do with what happened a few was it a couple years ago now in a Jewish synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? You see, Ari Mahler was on duty as a primary nurse in the emergency room of a hospital close to that synagogue. And when the shooter was shot and loaded into an ambulance, that shooter was brought to the hospital where Ari Mahler was at. And Ari Mahler had already heard what was going on. He was a practicing Jew who was a member of that particular synagogue, and he was the nurse on time, and into this hospital, into his care, came the shooter. And Ari did what he always did. He was a professional nurse. He cared for this individual patient. He did everything he could to help him and save his life and to prepare as best he could the place so that he wouldn't get infection. And he worked with his team, and they did a fantastic job. And never once during those coming days did 
Ari Muller ever turn to that man and say, hey, by the way, you know, I'm a student. Because that would be ridiculous. Why would I turn to any patient and share with them my particular religion, especially, especially this one? It's my job to care. It's my job to love all the patients that come into my hospital. I don't worry so much about who they are or what they've done. I'm here to do one thing, to do my job as a professional nurse and to love and care with all the skills that I possibly can muster at this moment. There, there is the servant that Jesus is talking to. My wife shared with me another story this week, and I haven't seen this story or read this story, so maybe I won't get all the facts exactly correct. But this week, she was talking about a story about an elderly couple who were trying to do their best to follow the instructions of their particular healthcare authorities. And so they are very high risk if they catch this disease. And they needed to shop. They were out of groceries. They hadn't prepared a two-year supply or a two-week supply or a two-day supply. They needed to shop. But they also were afraid. It was uncertain to them. They had read things that they weren't quite certain. Should they get out of their car when they go to the grocery store? Should How close can they get? And so lots and lots of people at the grocery store walking in and out, it was kind of packed, and they didn't know what to do. So they just kind of sat in their cars, trying to get people's attention. But you know, when we're all focused on getting our two-week supply of beans or rice or toilet paper, if there's anything left, or hand sanitizer, or whatever it is that we went out and bought in bulk, we don't tend to focus on other people. And when we're concerned about our own health, and we've been told to stay away, we tend to kind of keep our distance. And, and so the elderly couple had pulled into the parking lot. They were not figuring out what to do. And so they rolled down the window, and they tried to get people's attention, but people weren't paying attention. So finally, a young person could see and walked over and said, are you okay? And they said, no, we're not. We're afraid to go into the store. We're at high risk. We need help. Can you shop for us? And the response was perfect. Of course I can shop for you. Give me your address. And they took the risk, and they went inside, and they went around the whole place, they bought all that they needed. They even threw in a few extra things that they thought maybe they would like. They brought it back out. They put it on the side of the car, and they said, here it is. And to top it off, they didn't charge them. They gave it to them as a gift. Jesus turns to his own disciples in their own moment when they're looking to take advantage of their connection to him and to ask for powerful places to increase their reputation and their power. And Jesus turns to them and says, don't worry about that. Find ways that you can be a servant. Because the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is certainly not the greatest or the greatest speaker 
know, it's been fantastic this week to be a part of a community of faith. Because I've had the opportunity, one of the things I've wanted to do as a part of this week, and knowing that this is kind of a different moment in our journey together, our journey of life, our journey of Holy Day, one of the things I've been doing, other than preparing for a podcast, and I, I hope this podcast works, it's a new one, it's a new technology for us, so hopefully it will all work well and you're listening to it right now, but it might not. But be that as it may, one of the things that I want to do is reach out to others, and so I've been calling one by one all the members or families of our church who are considered high risk in this, the people over 60. And as I've called them, I've got through, I think I've got through about 47 families, so maybe I'm about a third of the way through, but it's about 90 to 100 people. And one of the most amazing things is, is that most of the members of our church that I've been called have immediately said, you know, I'm listening to the public health authorities. I'm trying not to go out any more than necessary. I walk along the beach at, say, Bay Bridge and try to keep my distance a little bit. Or, you know, just gather as a family. But, but one of the things as we end these calls, and I get to move on to the next, is that people in our church have said to me over and over, if there is anyone who needs assistance in our church or even outside, if you hear of anybody, especially if someone needs groceries or whatever, you call me, put me on the list, and then I'll call them and we'll figure out a way to do this so that somehow they can get what they need in their home. So I've been writing out, I've got lists of names of people who are doing their best to themselves because that's what needs to be done today. But they're also saying, I can help. I can reach out. I can touch other people. I can find a way to be a servant to the greater good, even as I have to deal with the fact that I may be high risk for this infection. It's a time of contrast. A time when I'm supposed to be at home for as much as possible same time, I'm saying, I have faith, God is calling me, my life is about love, and I want to help if I can. I was talking to Courtney the other day, and our youth and Courtney and leaders, we don't have an exact way, but they also are going to be trying to figure out how can we, at this moment, when we have six weeks of no school, can you imagine Six weeks of no school? You know, it's funny because so often when I tell my kids there's spring break coming, they're like excited. But this particular spring break, six weeks of school, they're, they're hoping for school to start before that six weeks is up. They're not looking forward to hanging out with dad at home for six weeks or being just in their house or with a few friends for six weeks whole weeks. It's like a mini-summer coming. But the youth and our children are thinking of ways, and I don't know exactly what they'll come up with. Maybe it'll be something that is friendly. Maybe it'll just be old. Maybe they'll just call around to people and say, is there any way we can help or help you or help your family? Or maybe they'll just be at home. But they're asking themselves, how can we You know, so often, in times of tragedy, people talk about it brings people together. 
Everybody's trying to figure out ways to help one another. And organizations come together, and churches come together, and nonprofits come together, and different groups come together, choirs come together, and they go down to places like nursing homes and assisted living centers in times of difficulty. And they come together and they sing, but now they can't come together as a choir, nor are they even allowed into a nursing home or assisted living together to bring a little bit of joy and peace into those moments. And so now is a unique challenge. How do we, as a community of faith, demonstrate our love for God and others and become servants, true servants, when so many of us are being asked to stay at home? That's a new challenge. That's a good challenge. That will help us use different spiritual muscles and develop capacities that we didn't even know about. So I encourage you, as we deal with this coronavirus, as we listen to our various public health authorities like Dr. Fauci, who's just been an incredible national leader in trying to guide the nation through the news about how to respond to this, even he has said that this will probably get a little worse before it gets better. As the various leaders in our community are trying to deal with this in terms of health care and hospitals and beds and all kinds of things, as everybody is trying to figure out how to do this, and we have been told in some ways we need to stay at home, how can we listen to the teachings of God and the teachings of Christ so that we love one another we can become servants to one another, even in our homes. As you answer that question, I pray that God's Spirit will guide you and lead you to ways that might just even surprise you. Now I invite you to stand and join in singing our hymn, Jesus Bids Us Shine.
now please be seated and let us pray. In your home, you might want to fold your hand and bow your head and let us pray. Almighty Creator, God of love, God of mercy, God our anchor in times of storm, we come before you in shock, shock that life can change so fast that a stock market and our retirement income can drop so fast, that restaurants can lay off people so fast, that people can be infected so fast around the globe, that life can change so fast. We come to you in our own brokenness, our own sorrow, our own suffering. We come to you when some of our own friends are already in quarantine, like my niece in Santa Clara County, California. We come to you in the wake of this mighty global pandemic that has already devastated the lives of not only the people in Wuhan, China, but in cities of South Korea, places all around Italy, especially in northern Lombardy, Italy, in the rest of Europe, in the United States, and especially right here in Seattle, where we are at the epicenter and the beginning of this infection. Lord, we come before you and we ask for your comfort for the 6,000 people around the globe who have already passed away, for the 160,000 and more cases of people who have been infected, of the more than 3,000 cases here in the United States and at least 48 states of our union, of the 60 people who died in the United States, and we ask for your blessing on the 40 people and their families and their loved ones here, right here in this Puget Sound region. Lord, give them strength, give them peace at this time. Lord, you are our refuge in times of trouble. As the psalm says, a very present help in times of trouble. And so we ask you to give us strength, to give us resilience. We ask your spirit to work in our minds, in our hearts, through our hands, through our feet, through our intentions, to build within us the capacity to be your people in this time and in this place. For those of us who no longer go into our work but are working at home, even while our kids are at feet who are there with us, we give you, ask you to give us the patience and the ability to work at home even as we parent our children. For those of you who have changed your lives and you no longer can even go to work because you may have been working in the industry of hospitality with restaurants, we ask you to give us strength and to give us vision and to give us persistence. For those of you who are business leaders 
and have financial responsibilities and are wondering how this is going to impact you, we pray that we find the capacity to figure out ways to keep our businesses going, if at all possible. Lord, there are so many people who need our prayers at this time. We ask you to pray to give wisdom to all our leaders, to our president, to our public health leaders, to our leaders in our Senate and Congress, to our state leaders, to our school leaders, to our teachers, to all those who are on the front lines of caring for people in this moment. Lord, we pray that you will deepen our faithfulness in you, that you will carry us through this time on the wings of the Spirit. We ask you to give us the power that even in this moment that we can find joy and rejoice in your love, in your faithfulness, and in the ways that you use us as servants. We ask you to let each of us in our way, in our small corners, to light the light of faith and to keep that light burning brightly as we respond to this situation. Lord, we thank you for today, for the chance to worship, for the chance to be together through the internet and to be home safely with others. And we ask that your spirit of peace and love will pervade our lives and pervade all we do. And now together, let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now I invite you to offer your lives, your strength, your love, and all that you have to God, and to offer your resources as well. Normally at this time in our worship service, our ushers would come forward and pass out plates, and you could put your offering into those plates. I would encourage you at this time, or after this service is over, to go find an envelope, to take that envelope, and to place your offering into that envelope, and to send it to our church so that our ministries continue to be well-funded at this time. If you would rather do that more rapidly, you are welcome to go to our website and to click through and to give online. Once you click Connect and the Give button, it will guide you through the process. Please give generously. 